0: Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, and if you don't know by now, it is the story of the visit of the Magi. Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod they left for their own country by another road. This is the Word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well y'all Christmas is coming it's coming really really soon I mean the light of our Advent wreath is growing each week uh, do you have any gifts under your tree at home yet? We've got a few. Caroline, who was probably, is, is one of the, the greatest gifts uh, that Debbie and I have received, uh, was telling her the other day, Mom, I want to see some gifts under the tree. So Debbie had to get busy and start wrapping. But let me tell you more about this, this gift uh, of Caroline. Caroline. Um, she was our third-born child, or is our third-born child, and uh, previous uh, children were boys, Ethan and Landon, and, and Caroline, the, the baby girl. Uh, the day that she was born, I still remember it very vividly. Caroline was born in the hospital in New Albany, Mississippi. Uh, she was delivered by C-section, because rather than turning upside down like babies normally do prior to birth, Caroline was sitting upright in the womb and I think she was perfectly content to continue to do so. She was happy in that pre-birth environment and I think that that has defined her for most of her life. Now, she overcompensates for that by standing on her head all of the time. And I mean literally. Uh, she, from, from the earliest ages, has been involved with acrobatics and gymnastics. And if you have kids or grandkids involved in those things, then you know that they're always twirling and tumbling and standing on their heads and, and doing all of these, these crazy things. Her mother was the first to hold her, obviously, as mothers are. But I was the first to take her on a walk. You see, down the hallway from the room that we were in was the delivery room. And so the doctors uh, gave Caroline to me to walk down the hall back to our room after she was born. And I looked a little strange. There's a picture of me holding her walking down the hallway, and I'm dressed in a... A blue hospital gown and wearing a yellow bonnet on my head as I know y'all seen this you know that when you're in those sterile environments you have to really be cautious and and wear all of these things but I'm also in that picture smiling this great big dad smile uh, holding my little girl and I'll never forget that moment who was there when Jesus was born? Well, we, we know from our nativity sets that there are all kinds of characters that showed up during Jesus's birth. We have shepherds in our nativities, uh, we have these wise men, we have animals, and of course they're angels. And as we talked about last week, maybe there was even an innkeeper somewhere in that picture all of these smelly dirty animals and men showing up at the nursery not wearing sanitized blue gowns or yellow hair bonnets or latex gloves they didn't even have hand sanitizer would you have welcomed those strangers in to see your newborn baby Well, Matthew's gospel says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, that Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. And there was a question on their minds. Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Who were these Magi? They're right up here on the left side of our manger. These strange-looking characters. And I'm going to hold it so it doesn't fall, so don't worry. I know this is a very special manger set. Um, but most scholars speculate that they were likely Persians. I mean, they are dressed like Persians from the first century Uh Also, we believe that they were Zoroastrian priests. And those types of priests obviously spent a lot of time studying the stars and astronomy. The church that was built in Bethlehem over the site where we believe Jesus was born was built by the Roman Emperor Constantine in 330 A.D. That's a long time ago. Now, the church survived an invasion by the Persians in the 7th century. Legend has it that the commander, Sharbaraz, he did not destroy this church because when he looked at it, over the entrance of the church were these, these guys portrayed in art painted wearing these costumes and they looked like his own people from his country. He identified with these Zoroastrian priests and thus he ordered that the building remain intact. These holy men are thought to have been skilled in philosophy and as I mentioned astronomy they studied the heavens they were always looking up at the sky. So when they arrive in our gospel story, they say we saw his star. The birth of a new star, which represented to them the birth of a king somewhere on Earth. And they believed that star pointed them in the direction where he was born. And so they set out on their journey bearing gifts. They came to worship. They came to discover this newborn king. Well, we probably know all of this, right? We're familiar with this history. But Mary and Joseph didn't know this. They didn't know what we know about these guys. They did not know the nature of the wise men's visit or their intentions, at least not when they first get there. All Mary and Joseph knew was that more strangers were showing up to see their baby. Yet, we understand that Mary and Joseph invite in, they welcome these strangers. And they give us a lesson in what it means to welcome strangers, to show hospitality to people who are different. They allowed these men in to bring their gifts and even to worship their baby boy, who was the divine Son of God. During this time, they didn't have all of these These things that we have in our world today to protect us from germs and infections and diseases and things like that, they had no understanding of these things like we do. They were vulnerable. And so was their baby. But Mary and Joseph, they opened up their doors and they invited them in. They discovered that showing hospitality to these men and meeting new people was a source of blessing in their life. The Magi, we know, came bearing three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But more importantly, I think they come with words of encouragement. Words of epiphany revealing more about the nature of Of their child that he was special that he was divine just as the angels had proclaimed just as the shepherds had celebrated they all came for the same reason to worship and through these experiences we learn a couple of lessons from the Magi's story about welcoming strangers. The first thing that we learn is that it's essential for us to create space for new people. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the person that's sitting next to you this morning? Look next door to you. Do you know who's sitting next to you? Chances are you probably do. They may even be part of your family. But look across the aisle. Do you know the person sitting across the aisle from you? Look around the room. Is there someone here that you don't know by name? What about people who attend the other worship service? Some of you may be like, wait, we have another worship service? (laughs) We do and I know that there's not a lot of cross-pollination that happens but chances are there are people that we don't know by name in our church. For instance, there are two committees that I met with this fall where people didn't know the other people in the room with them and we're talking about small committees like six, seven, ten people Generally, we go around the room in those settings and we introduce ourselves to one another. But in these cases, I assumed because these folks had all been members of the church for more than 10 years, you just think that they know each other. Can I ask for a favor? Can I have 10 years to learn all of your names? (laughs) I've really been working at it. This week, I finally cut out Uh, copies of the church directory and I've started using them like little note cards but y'all y'all look a little different (laughs) from the most recent copy of the church directory we have I'm just saying we might need to update that thing but I'm trying I am but we can take it for granted that we just know everybody but we really don't We assume everyone knows everyone, but they don't. Sometimes making room for new people begins right here. (laughs) Right here in these pews, in our church, with the people that you don't know. Welcoming friends is one thing, but opening our doors and hearts to strangers is an all entirely different matter, isn't it? But it can also be rewarding. It provides us with the opportunity to get to know new people and to learn things about their lives, to learn each other's story. It widens our circle of friends. And everybody needs a friend right now it can deepen our relationships with our church family and what I learned from these committee meetings is it helps us to appreciate one another's gifts. One of the essential things is to create new spaces for new faces. And y'all it also helps new people who are attending our church to build relationships that enable them to find community and to grow spiritually. Just learning each other's names, just introducing ourselves to one another is a great way to welcome someone. And it all starts with you and I being friendly and getting to know someone new. Are you ready to expand your circle? Start a supper club, invite someone to coffee, reach out to a new family and ask them to join your Sunday school class. Mary and Joseph demonstrated an openness in creating space for new people. And I believe we should too. One more little thing I wanna mention, a lesson that we learn, is that we shouldn't be afraid of people simply because they are different from us or strangers to us. We're familiar with the phrase stranger danger, aren't we? You've heard of that? Stranger danger? We are conditioned from an early age to avoid strangers. Strangers can be scary. Strangers can pose an unknown threat to our safety. We are told as children don't talk to strangers, right? We're told that. And there are a lot of examples of people being harmed by strangers for sure. We, we hear about it in the news all the time. We do need to exercise caution with strangers, especially our children. However, I wonder if we have carried this fear into adulthood, unnecessarily and I wonder if the stranger danger has kept us from the opportunity of getting to know new people some really good people I know there are a lot of people that I have neglected to help or reach out to because I didn't know them and they were strange to me But for every bad encounter that we hear of with strangers, there are certainly hundreds of good ones when strangers show love and compassion to people they've never met before. I want to tell you a story about one as I close. A man walked into the Dixie Diner in Houston, Mississippi, a place where I lived for a long time and went to school just right up there in North Mississippi. So this strange man, he walks into the Dixie diners right off the square and he sat down at a table and he ordered a big breakfast that morning. And he knew he did not have money to pay for this meal. After finishing the meal, he pretended that he had lost his wallet and he didn't know how he was gonna pay for the meal. Well the cook that was just on the other side of the counter in the restaurant he walked over to the man and he said to him son you must have dropped this and he handed him a twenty dollar bill to pay for his meal. The stranger paid for his meal and he thanked the cook and he left. And as he left he made a promise that if God ever put him in a position to help someone that he would do it. That gift of a meal and the $20 sparked something inside of that stranger that day that would later change his life. You see the cook that gave that man the $20 his name is Ted Horn. Mr. Ted was the owner of that diner and he also was a cook there. He was the father of one of my church members when I served at the Carolina United Methodist Church. And one year before he died, Mr. Ted came to our church and he shared with us the story of that man who came to the Dixie Diner that day. Mr. Ted was a man of deep, deep faith. He trusted Jesus. He believed that it was his faith in Christ that inspired him to help that man that day. The name of that stranger was Larry Stewart. Some of you may have heard about him before. He's known as the original Secret Santa. You see, Larry he made his way from Houston and eventually he wound up in Kansas City where he became a very, very successful businessman. And for more than 25 years Larry would walk Anonymously, the streets of Kansas City, during the Christmas season, handing out $100 bills to strangers. He would go into parking lots and laundromats and and convenience stores and all over the place. He would hand out these $100 bills to strangers. Larry said that Mr. Ted's act of kindness toward him left a lasting impact on his life. And during his lifetime, Larry gave away $1.2 million through these efforts. Larry was a secret for many years. He would not reveal his identity to anyone. But right before he died in 2007, Larry finally revealed himself. And since then, he has inspired many, many more secret Santas. Larry said, I'm trying to show God's love for those who are down on their luck. An act of kindness to strangers brings joy not only to the recipient, but to the giver as well. I encourage you to read more about Larry's story. Just simply Google Larry Stewart Secret Santa and you'll find some amazing interviews and articles. You see, Larry's story and the story of these wise men reminds us that sometimes we receive the blessings of strangers and sometimes we are the strangers that god sends to help someone else my challenge to you this morning in this christmas season is twofold get to know someone new make a new friend our lives will be enriched because of it Two, don't be afraid to help a stranger if God nudges you to do it. You might just discover an unexpected blessing. Amen. I invite you to pray with me our prayers of intercession that are found in your bulletin. Sisters and brothers in Christ, for the sake of the world that God so loves, let us pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for peace in every nation, that hatred and ill will in our hearts for all people will be burned away in your refining fire, leaving only love. Pray for the peace of the church. We pray for peace in Christ's body. Put an end to fear and fighting that we may proclaim your good news and be awake to your presence. Pray for the peace of the city of Clinton. We pray for peace in this place, for safety in our homes and streets, for the prosperity of our neighbors and for the health of family and friends. God of the future, make us ready for the coming of your reign, when you will bring everlasting peace and renew the face of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing together our closing hymn. It's hymn number 242, Love Came Down at Christmas. Amen.